1: Welcome to today's episode of Unleashing Brilliance. Um, It's a real joy today to sit here with Simon Mayer, who is the CEO and founder of a company called Future U. Simon started out in the recruitment industry in Sydney more than 20 years ago, and he's regarded as a leading talent partner in the sector. His career has taken him to the UK and Europe, but it is his unrivaled Australian domain expertise that he's most recognized for. Always challenging the status quo, Simon founded Australian executive recruitment super boutique, Future You, on the belief that there is a better way to connect outstanding talent with local businesses. His extensive in-market and global experience sees him regularly called upon for insights on employment, workplace culture, diversity, leadership, and business trends from a senior executive perspective and he's a regular contributor in CEO circles to the conversation on innovation growth and Australia's burgeoning SME and startup sector. Future FutureU itself launched in April 2016 and he's grown the company to close to 100 employees across Sydney and Melbourne in the company's first year of operation. So Simon knows how, it, how and what it takes to become a multi-million dollar business in the mature professional services sector. So wonderful to have you here, Simon.
0: Thanks, Jane. Great to be with you. i wait to get into
1: <laughs> the story of you. So for our listeners, give me the whistle-stop tour of what got Simon from wherever to here in yeah. Sydney um, as CEO of this, this business that, that you've established yourself and founded yourself and built yourself with your team? It's, a really, it's
0: a really good question. I'd probably, probably go back to um, probably go back to my university days, you know, sort of, I think like a lot of people, and I don't think this has changed for graduates, um, you know, from when I graduated in the 90s to, to 2017, so you do a degree and... Um, you, you pick it because somebody tells you to or you think it sounds good and for me that was um, business and law at UTS um, here in Sydney but you don't really have a clear sense of what that's going to, going to lead to and um, I thought it was law so, so I went down the path of um, pursuing that did a couple of internships um, played around with with the legal profession but quickly worked out that um, that wasn't me and, and, and I think the key to that was people um, you know, communication, connecting with others, um, you know, really understanding what makes people tick and at that time in the 90s there was um, a, an emergence of executive recruitment, you know, become um, quite prevalent here in the Australian market off the back of um, a marketplace that had taken off 10 or 15 years earlier in the, in the UK. Um, and I was introduced to it, uh, through a family friend actually and the, the, the words I can remember the words uh, in a um, a power tower in Sydney you know as a as a sort of young twenty something was you know you should you should check this industry out this is this is going to be a big a big space you could do really really well it could take you take you around the world and um, that really resonated with me Janine in those days you know I was uh, ambitious I really wanted to do things and um, so I started started that climb um, in a space and and quickly worked out that. It was a it was a role where I could connect with lots and lots of people, and so I'd get to the end of a week and, and be extremely stimulated because I'd I'd spoken to you know one hundred and fifty people and I'd met twenty people and um, there was so much variety in that um, you know I really enjoyed it. So that's the that's the backstory. Um, twenty five years later, you, you know it's been a um, it's been a been an amazing journey. But the real twist was. Um, Climbing a very very big corporate ladder, so one one of the major players in the space, um, six or seven thousand people globally. I I got to um, you know quite a senior position. I ran the Australian New Zealand business um, for the last five years of that that twenty um, year journey. Um, but something was missing, you know, and I and, and it's hard. It, it was hard for me to describe it at the time, but I think some of the things that were really resonating for me were that. The sector polarised in terms of multinationals and, and, and boutique players, um, and there wasn't a really strong voice in the Australian business community talking about the talent issues that this particular market um, was facing at the time and is increasingly uh, facing now. Um, and so, as an Aussie clocking over the magic 40 mark, I, I felt quite passionate about that, and I can't really describe to you why. I felt that way at the time, but I knew that, that I had to step outside the big corporate machine and have a go at, at creating a business myself. Um, it scared the hell out of me. You know, it was probably the um, toughest decision I've I've made. Um, but ultimately, looking back on it, you know, sort of almost two years now since since making that call, hundred percent the right you know the right decision, and and you know it's been a really interesting. Started a new journey for me, um, still doing what I love, which is the focus on talent.
1: Mm. So I just want to pick up on that point of two years ago, feeling things weren't quite right, making a decision, it's scaring the hell out of you, but you still went ahead and did it. Yeah. And how did you get through that? Because I remember experiencing that myself of that, that fear and am I doing the right thing? But what, what was it that you did or how did you overcome that, that fear and tap into what you knew you wanted to do?
0: I think you've you got to, um, I, I put the fear into perspective and sort of thought, thought well, what's the worst thing that can happen here? And and decided, um, despite that, that it was still worth, still worth doing. Um, and I had an extremely, you know, my, my, my partner of, of 20 years was extremely supportive of the idea as well. And I think ultimately, if you and I met in 10 years time, that that was the journey that I wanted to talk to you about over a coffee or a glass of wine one day not not that I stayed in the big machine and I maybe I went up another level or a couple of levels within that machine um, so for me it was a calling it, it's the only way I could describe it it was a calling to tackle something head on and and uh, see if see if I really had what it took to to create a business from nothing um so Um, Yeah, a fearful experience, but I think staring fear in the face and actually sort of delaying it in terms of, okay, what is the worst case scenario here, um, was definitely the way that I got through that.
1: And it's been a pretty skyrocket journey in terms of two years of starting with an idea, launching yeah. the business with a great team around you to where you're at now. What What is the point of difference of Future You? What is it that you do differently? What have you tapped yeah. into that people are loving and liking?
0: What, what, what we discovered very early and and I think it's 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 a movement that you actually see across business now um, you know a lot more visibly in 2017 but, but back in late 2015, early 2016 what, what we started to discover was that um, Brand was important. So we, we came up with an innovative brand in a, in a fairly mature sector. So Fe- Future You is quite innovative as a, as a brand name. But, but what we quickly learned was that the purpose and the values behind the brand um, were really the heart of uh, the org- organization that we were creating. And I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know how important that was at the time. But looking back on the earlier part of 2016, it was absolutely fundamental and it's been the golden thread in terms of our organic growth and success over the last the last couple of years and and that is the key differentiator you know i was i was around the world um, in september this year i had some time in berlin I met some really cool people there in the sector um you know who are driving amazing things in the german market which is pretty hot at the moment and i had a lot of time in the uk and I still don't see in professional services a very very strong golden thread associated with purpose and values. So that's that's what stood us out from the crowd. Um, you know, defining that and using that as our cultural anchor point for every decision that we've made about the business in the last couple of years.
1: And what does purpose and value mean for you? What is what is it that's driving
0: you? Um. So for me personally, um, I coming back to being an Aussie and, and, and clocking over that 40 mark, I, I wanted to contribute to a sector where we, we actually made a difference in the talent discussion in the marketplace and moved to a point where um, the organisation that I led, recruitment was the byproduct. You know, moving people around, introducing people to new organisations was the byproduct of something, something of a higher calling which, which for me is, is connecting amazing people. Um, and doing that without necessarily um, identifying or looking for a commercial outcome. So it's sort of letting go of the transactional nature of being and, and moving to a state where um, you genuinely act with gratitude and you genuinely act with good intention in terms of connecting connecting great people. So our, our purpose is how to connect without limitation, which is you know, very close to what I've just outlined to you personally and, and, and I see in my role um, you know, CEO and founder of Future U, to really stay true to that and and teach and develop a large group of talent professionals to be able to do the same thing, same thing in market. Um, so that doesn't mean that we're not a commercial organisation; that we don't strive for outstanding commercial results. In fact, you know, I have an amazing advisory board uh, here at Future U that. Um, has very high expectations and and, you know is a phenomenal think tank around how we will produce outstanding commercial outcomes but um, it's just thinking about it in a different way and I think a much more sustainable Mm. way.
1: And what's quite interesting in in terms of this industry, um, there is a standard model isn't there that the industry works through and it's very commercial, it's very about numbers in numbers out. And I'm imagining as a CEO who absolutely has to deliver on that, but at the same time has this clear golden thread of purpose and value th- running through it, yep. but it's taking a high degree of self-motivation to keep aligned and attuned to that over the last couple of years. Have you got yeah. some examples of where you have been challenged in terms of absolutely. the CEO drive vision and the day-to-day operation?
0: Yeah. Look, it's, it's. I mean, I, you know, super boutique, I think if it's just a boutique or it's a multinational, pretty straightforward, but trying to create a super boutique. is is the ultimate blend of commercial outcomes but uh, led by values and purpose so the challenge with that is that the the commercial return from a a purpose and values led focus is probably a longer process than than just doing what you know what you've done really really well for 20 years which is produce numbers every single month so, staying true to that and leading an organisation when, when, when you do have a cash reality, you do have financial obligations, um, you are trying to bring a level of EBITDA online fast is, is a challenge. But, but that's, that's why I'm getting out of bed, you know, because I think if I can solve that um, and I can blend those two and I use purpose and values as, as the, the lens to look at commercial outcomes, um, you know, we're, we're cracking something that could be very innovative within the the prof services space as a whole so it's you know it's an interesting journey Um, cash is uh, you know like all business leaders something that's that's very front of mind particularly in startup stage because the australian market unfortunately um, until you've been trading for at least two to three years is very very unfriendly in terms of financial support so it's quite interesting, you know, we talk about brand and purpose and values, you know, the, the big four banks, they, they, they talk a lot about alignment on purpose and values with small business and startups, but um, when you actually get down to it, you know, there's, there's, there's not a lot of support there until you've been trading for three years. And as I keep saying to everybody, you know, that's when I'll be putting cash into the bank, not, not, not needing cash. So it's sort of, it's an ironic it ironic an situation, right. but it's, it's a real challenge in the startup community here.
1: What was the, what was my, dad? best advice that you were given as you have progressed in your career? Can you, was there a moment in time that flipped everything for you or something you read or someone that you spoke to and inspired you to, Simon, you can do it?
0: Yeah, there's, there's a couple of, couple of key things that really stand out for me. So you touched on it at the beginning of um, our chat today, which is domain expertise. So there's points, there's points in everybody's careers where you've, you've, you've built depth of specialization and expertise but in geographic terms or in domain terms, you, you, you really have a, quite a strong helicopter view over a space. And, and global corporates are famous for um, spotting that and making sure that they rotate great people out of that type of position. Because you know, there's clearly a threat to those businesses if, if, if they don't do that, you know, that there might be a competing firm set up. But if you pull back and you think about the broader context of the business community and the benefit of those com- competing organisations emerging, um, ultimately it's going to produce a, a, an enriched business environment with more thought leadership, um, more innovation, more agile thinking, You know, diff- different ways of doing things. So domain expertise and, and being aware of that was one of the best pieces of advice that I've been given. The second thing is that fear has no place in an organisation. So. Um, leading a business and creating an environment that is free from fear is absolutely critical for success partic- particularly in startup because growing startups it, it is a gravity-defying effort and, and to get the to build the rocket ship and then get the rocket ship off the ground um, you know the last thing you need is, is doubt or, or, or fear so I think those two, those two things really stand out for me as, as sound advice mm. and things that I've really tried to put to practice.
1: I love that concept of fear has no place in an organisation, which is sometimes easier said than done, right? So even if you manage to address your own fear, how do you make sure that the people around you mm. don't have fear in them and the decisions that they're making?
0: That's a great question. I, I think the, um, the, only, the only way that I've tackled that is over communication. Mm. And so, when something's gone wrong at Future year, it's probably because I haven't communicated enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I think it, you know, first and foremost, acknowledging that, and then and then over communicating on an issue, and consciously working on a style of leadership which means that you are very very close to your people and and holistically what's important to them, not 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 just what they do in. The context of future you but what what's actually really important for them and what their what their big ticket items are holistically is is critical as a leader um, and then a lot of communication support you know on a day-to-day basis is really really key um, so that's quite a fundamental shift when you've been at the the big end of town and it's quite timetabled in terms of hey I'm doing a monthly village update or I'm you know I'm doing a roadshow and I'll connect with people um, you know, in the startup, the comms requirement comes thick and fast and you have to be a lot more agile. And mm. uh, so it's truly really like, that, that's an issue, we need to do something about it right now. Mm. Or, you know, we communicated yesterday, but we need to communicate today. You know, like it's um, it's a much more free-flowing situation, I'm enjoying that. Mm.
1: What I um, I know we've really aligned on is this concept of, you can't be successful alone, and, and the power of building network around you which yeah. i get your business is all about anyway but what about for you who's who's helping you what sort of people have you got around you in your pit crew making yeah. sure that you keep motivated and on track and making the right decisions
0: i i, I classify myself as quite a curious ceo um, and i hope i never lose that curiosity and certainly um in the future you years it's been that's been heightened um, and I can't really explain to you why that is, but, but I do, but I am extremely curious about, you know, what's going on out there in the in the broader market. But what i tried to do at the beginning of the future year was acknowledge that if I wanted to grow as fast as we have organically, I needed to surround myself with amazing people and when it wasn't gonna be something that I could do by myself. Um, and I was prepared at the beginning of that journey to acknowledge that that meant that, um, you know, others would share in the future. You journey in lots of lots of different ways right from the beginning. So, um, I did two things. I, I look for the best in the sector, and so we have an amazing team um, at the top of Future U, There's six of us, and, and we work very very closely together. Um, I'd almost describe us as a third entity in terms of you know who we are and how we how we operate. Um, and there's a lot of trust uh, that's developed over the over the journey. Um, and then quite, this is a bit unusual in Prof Services, I decided that executive recruitment consultants don't know everything and it would be wise to actually talk about my sector and talk about my idea in terms of growing a super big boutique with people outside the sector. And, and so I've surrounded myself with an advisory board that's quite diverse and enriched in terms of, um, you know, what people bring to the table. Very different personalities, uh, very different sectors, very different day jobs, uh, very, very different stages in life. And, and I've deliberately tried to mix that group to um, provide insight, um, challenging and thought-provoking ideas, um, a keep-it-real mentality with me as the CEO, um, and genuinely a group of people that 24-7 you can call upon if you if you need to. So it's that combination, you know, those those two groups working hand-in-hand with me In the middle um you know has been been a real feature of the success here
1: Mm. so so this podcast is all about unleashing brilliance in your i mean this is your world talent management finding brilliance in others um what does that mean to you what do you think the biggest challenges are as we sort of progress into this highly busy digitized robotic world um what is unleashing brilliance how do you identify that talent what do you look for what do people need to start doing
0: in the, in the executive in the executive market what I don't see enough of is connectedness mm. and 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 conscious thought about connectedness and then the power of, of connecting um, and in the digital age with robotics and AI you know it's not around the corner it's here right now um, everybody feels that um, human contact and human connectedness will be replaced. It's actually it's the opposite you know AI and robotics should be a um, a way to, to actually improve the amount of time that we have to slow down, stop and, and orientate and connect with people. Um, so so the one one common denominator with the best people that I engage with out there in the marketplace is that they are subconsciously very, very comfortable with connecting and, and they have a diverse and enriched group of people around them that's contributing to you know their journey in a given year. Um, the ones that struggle uh, are individuals who have expressed with a lot of effort a particular, particular um, role for a long time, but have been so busy that they haven't had a chance to um, evaluate you know, the lack of connectedness that they actually have, and it and sometimes it takes a shockwave in the career path to um, stop, look in the mirror and realise that there's a lot of work to do. Um, the, the, the most practical example I can give you is I, I meet a lot of people that want to be non-executive directors. That doesn't necessarily need to be a listed company, it could be a start-up, it could be um, a not-for-profit. Um, and I talk to them about, well, you know, how have you prepared for that in the last three to five years? You know, who have you connected with that's already doing that? Um, you know, how many boards have you sat on in an advisory capacity? Um, and I would say 80 to 90% of people have put zero time or zero effort into unlocking that potential before they get to that point um, and so if you don't stop and think and you don't have that level of connectedness you're, you're missing a, a big trick and increasingly I think a way of a way of being. Mm.
1: I, I've been speaking a lot about this today actually in terms of this ownership piece of um, people taking ownership of their career and where they ultimately want to go and with that taking ownership of what they're good or their strengths sound what they're not so good at because what you're talking about, this connectedness piece, is really dear to my heart, too. But what I'm finding is people are having to really dig deep, deep and get brave again yeah. and get courageous again and show their real self and be prepared to show what's and all to connect. And yet, there's yeah. a lot of fakeness out there. Yeah. Do you yeah. agree? <laughs> I do, yeah,
0: I do. I do. It's well, I think authenticity is probably the word that I would use. Mm. You know, sort of you can see, well, you know, maybe it's. Uh, easy for me to say because we meet so many people but you can see um, whether somebody's authentic or not or yeah. um, well, certainly you can pick it up over a couple of meetings and, and coming back to it the greatest people in the Australian business community are, uh, are doing that without even thinking about it. Um, the challenge for, for a lot of other people is finding an organisation or finding the right individuals to help them go on that pathway You know, to, to really switch on consciously to be able to work on that, you know, that's um, that's uh, that's the key.
1: So, what are you working on right now? Because uh, we've talked about this too, this constant growth. What's going to make you, Simon, even better? <laughs> what are you working on and developing for yourself? Well, I tell you what, it's a shame
0: that <laughs> that Stella, my three and a half year old, is not here to answer that question. She could tell you a few things that Daddy's working. Uh, which so number one is, uh, we read we read three books before we go to bed, not two, Daddy. Okay, so. You need to fathom that jump from two to three books, um, so that's a that's a key one. Um, I think if I look at the future year journey, actually in the first year, um, a real good balance. You know, not not, not too many people in the organisation, a lot of um, the startup phase, starting to connect to the market. This last twelve months, I think that the challenge has been not to orientate back to a way of being that's historical, which is efficient. You know, because it's what I've done for a long time. And it's staying true to doing things in a different a different way, um, so that's that's the thing that I'm working on the most at the moment is just staying. Just, I use this word quite a bit: staying true to, um, you know, what my vision of future years is and what what I think the CEO role um, should look like within that. Um, you know, so that's that's quite key. Mm.
1: So who's Simon outside of work? Who's Simon outside his day job?
0: <laughs> Simon's a, well. Simon's a dad of, <laughs> of two beautiful girls. Um, Simon's a husband. Um, to a beautiful wife, who uh, and 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 we you know we've been together for uh over twenty years. So you know, it's a, it's a long time together. And it's nice to share your life with someone in that way. Um, Simon's a yogi, uh, so I spend a lot of time on the mat. In fact, there's something, Gina, you know, I've always done that. You know, I've I've done yoga since nineteen ninety six, and so it's always been part of my weekly weekly routine. And and you know, we hear you hear a lot about. Uh, being in the moment, you hear a lot about um, time to think. Yoga is all of those things, you know, it's such a good uh, mental place to go um, two or three times a week um, and it's a great resetter, you know, just in terms of the physical being but also the mental and spiritual being as well, so definitely a yogi. Simon's a big skier, I love skiing. Um, one day, I think, if you said to me, What's, what, what are you working on right now? I'd probably be, I'm working on skiing all the time. You know, that'd be, that'd be my my, my, dream, my dream existence, you know, sort of following the, the snow around the world. Um, I've joined a new organisation called Life Changer in the last couple of weeks. I'm sitting on the advisory board for, for Life Changer. Um, and that's about um, helping the next generation of Australians stay true to their purpose. Um, And part of that is um, contributing and participating in the Life Changer Challenger Series, um, which is some serious hardcore trekking led by some serious hardcore individuals so that means very shortly Simon will be doing a lot of training <laughs> so that I can survive that. And I think the first one is in March. It's like 189 eighty-nine kilometre oh, trek God. in Perth or you know, down, down in the Margaret River. So, oh, um,
1: I've gotten and committed to a 500k bike ride in February 2019, though. I've got a bit of time, <laughs> time to, tra- to train yeah. through Thailand. So I just want to, um, as we close up, this, this life-changer work that you're doing. So, you know, dad, husband, partner, friend, CEO giving back, yogi, all that sort of stuff. What's, what are you seeing in terms of future generation stuff? What are the, the positives and potentially some of the things that you think our generation needs to be aware of as we build the future workforce or future leadership?
0: I, I really, I, I'm really concerned that we're not preparing the next generation of Australians to make the most of an era where um, in, in the workplace... AI and robotics is is lending a big hand, and, and so if you look at the educational programs and the way that we're teaching Australians at the moment in primary school, secondary school, and in and in tertiary, it's it's a mile off the mark. I mean, I'm I'm you know I'm talking at a couple of universities in the next few months around how they can adjust programs like a business degree as a simple example to to prepare. And I, and I think the thinking there has to be a lot more agile because the next generation is going to want to experience a lot more, a lot faster than um, our generation has. Um, but there's a big disconnect at the moment between graduates coming out of the university system and the roles that they're going into and whether those roles will um, still be around in five to 10 years in their current shape or form. Um, so unless we work that back, back into the education system, you know, we've got, we've got a bit of a challenge coming. And at the same time, um, our generation um, and the generation above us will, will will exit the business community en masse um, probably a bit earlier than, than, than others have in terms of a traditional sense. Um, so it's quite a lot shifting there in terms of work the workplace of the future and, and, and just making sure that the generations are well prepared. Mm. Um, so I think that's that's quite a big a big piece of work for everyone that's in the business community here over the next, the next five to mm. ten years. And then
1: what I'm seeing currently out in, in big corporates is people are just intensely busy. Um, and I think it's a reflection of what's going on in terms of headcount, cut, restructuring, et cetera, et cetera. But what I'm sensing is people are just running around like crazy and not looking after themselves. They're not stopping, they're not thinking. Um, how do you make sure that this organization Um, maintains this sense of purpose and well-being and how do you maintain yourself with the crazy schedule that could
0: um, exist you have to lead by example it's really important Um, it's quite an obvious one but we've tried we've tried in this environment to bring things into future you that um, make it very accessible for people in a way that um allows them to still achieve their commercial outcomes and, and the things that they want to do. So, you know, a really simple example of that is you know, people do yoga in the office. Um people get together and go for, a, you know, they 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 run together at lunchtime for, for 30 or 40 minutes. We've made sure that we're in a, an environment where the end of trip facilities are very, very strong. Um, so it's it's giving people access to well being in a way that suits them and acknowledging that it's not a one size fits all. We have, another, we have one of our values is life's too short. And, and that's about, it's not about work-life balance, it's about work-life integration. And, and and I use the word integration because, you know, it's about how you integrate work and life and that, that that changes, it's not static. And so it's allowing people to be able to play with that and flex with it accordingly. Mm. Um, so they're just a, just a mm. few examples
1: and finally what's the mantra that you live by so what guides you in your life existence career growth
0: well for me it's it's to connect without limitation Mm. um you know in terms of my my purpose and coming back to why i got into recruitment in the first place so connecting with as many amazing people as i can and i think more more recently staying curious Mm. you know really being curious around um how I can continue to learn and grow mm. um, and feeling enriched. Mm. Enriched from giving as much as I can mm. um, and being very grateful for, for receiving mm. it at the same time. Mm.
1: I could keep talking to you, Simon. I know we many a time have one hour meetings that end up being about four. Um, <laughs> we do. But for me there's there's just some key takeouts that I'm just gonna summarise for our listeners. Um, and I want to start with this fear has no place in an organization I think that's really really powerful um, because what I see is the fear feeds the procrastination which stops people doing stuff and as you said what's the worst that can happen and I think the more people leaders individuals can tap into that um, the more innovation and change we'll get and I love your your uh, value of the power to connect without limitation and I think that transcends so much in our world right now not just the the corporate world but people's personal lives um, the work that I do in terms of people building networks that matter where it's powerful transformational connections that help growth and I think that the key thing is without limitation there so I hear in there the embracing of diversity and difference of opinion and cross geography which I think is really gorgeous and your piece about curiosity um, again I challenge the people listening to here today like what are you being curious about Um, Are you asking questions? Are you thinking outside the box? Or has your thinking actually become stagnant and stale and as a result that innovation's not being tapped into? And I think um, you are leading by example, and I'm so glad I've got to meet you because what I see is a CEO of an organization that has got a very clear vision for what he's building. Um, You have a, a very strong team around you of autonomous thinkers uh and dreamers and and commercial uh drivers uh and on top of that this this work-life integration which isn't just a word on a board and a quota to be ticked um you're living and breathing it so it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you simon and i look forward to (laughs) speaking to you again thank you so much
0: thanks for having me today we hope you enjoyed listening to the janine garner show To follow her blog, purchase her books, or find out more, visit her website, janinegarner.com.au. Brilliant people. Extraordinary results.